Hey folks, Dan with Holy Spirit Soapbox. I hope you're doing well. Today I want to talk about something that we should be talking about way more as Christians. Like we should be talking about this every moment of our lives, essentially. A lot of us talk about it in church. A lot of pastors talk about it in church. There are a lot of sermons based on this, but I feel like it should be talked about way more because it is literally, literally the baseline of Christianity. And that is the power of the resurrection or the resurrection itself. Now, we tend to talk about this around Easter time. That's great. That's cool. But we should be talking about this like every day, just like Jesus's birth. We should be celebrating his birth every single day, but we should also be celebrating this resurrection every single day. Sometimes it's hard to grasp this resurrection. It's really hard to grasp because we weren't there. <laughs> if, if you're listening to this now, you weren't there. I wasn't there. I've not been alive for 2,000 something years. I wasn't there when he resurrected. And the honest truth here is we all die one day. I don't know if you knew that, but we do. You're going to die one day. And so am I. And so are our kids and our their children and, and their children's children and so on and so forth. It's the honest truth. Now, the question is, are we going to now die forever? And as believers, we know we have eternal life. But what was that true impact of Jesus's resurrection? As humans living in 2023, 2024, whenever you're going to be listening to this, we have the ability to look back into history and time. We do. That's, the, that's a blessing. And we see that when each of the apostles knew that Jesus was sentenced and then put to death, it was almost like their entire world came crashing down. And understandably so. I understand why they felt like their world was over. And we can cross-examine the Old Testament and, and New Testament scriptures. And the apostles knew these Old Testament scriptures. They knew them pretty well, even. And we can cross-reference them with the things that happened that we know of now, because we can look back in history. And it proved to them that Jesus was the Messiah. But still, there were so many fake messiahs that came at that time, like so many of them that if your faith wasn't in Jesus, the same as right now, being 2,000-something years later, if your faith is not in Jesus, you could be swayed really easily. If we look back into the Old Testament scriptures here, the death and resurrection was all described in those scriptures. Now, they didn't have the New Testament. Keep that in mind. They wrote the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul later on, all these, they wrote the letters, they wrote those gospels. They had to take account of all these things. I know I'm saying a lot of things you already know, but the resurrection set Jesus apart from all those fake messiahs because he is God. He was God and he is God. Now, imagine if you will, putting yourself in the apostle's shoes. If you're an apostle or a disciple or whatever, and you hear that Jesus has actually died, like, how would you feel? How would you feel? The Savior that you've been following for years of your life, possibly giving up everything that you have, has actually died. I know we've covered this before. We've talked about this. But on top of that, the, there are only like two semi-mysterious old scriptures to know that your God will be coming back on the third day. 
And, and they're in Hosea, Jonah, and then Jesus' own words. It's the same guy that said it himself, which any fake Messiah can say. Anybody can say that. Well, I'm going to die, and then I'll come back. So follow me while I'm here, and then you'll see me die, and then I'll die, and then I'll be back. Don't worry about it. You have to have a lot of faith. I mean, you, yes, you saw miracles. You saw these things happen, but they saw magic tricks. They saw miracles happen. What was different about Jesus? Let's look into those Old Testament scriptures really quickly. So Hosea 6, 1 and 2 say this. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Okay, cool. Kind of mysterious, but that sounds great. Okay, now how about Jonah? This is Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Well, that doesn't really talk about the Messiah coming back, does it? Mm, I don't know. Now, the only time that we hear of this referring back to a Messiah resurrecting is when Jesus says it in Matthew 12, verse 40. And it says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It's very interesting. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. And, and by the way, these are all in the description. If you ever want to go back to them, feel free. But here's Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He was telling them consistently that this was going to happen. Even around the transfiguration, all these different Bible verses, especially in Matthew, where he talks about, hey, I have to die, by the way, just letting you know. I mean, even the Pharisees remembered that he said these things in Matthew 27, 62 to 64. It says this, The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days I will rise again. Give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and seal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. That's so interesting. Now, the Pharisees remembered him saying that. They obviously know the scriptures very well. So they probably started to believe like, okay, we have to figure this out. We had to see if this really happens. We got to see what we got to close this tomb up. I don't trust these other people. And I don't know for sure if this man will resurrect. And finally, John chapter 2, verse 19 says, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. This was a comment, a statement that the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and teachers all remembered as well. Very important scripture here. The feeling, though, for these apostles and disciples must have been like sickening. The worry must have rushed in since Jesus warned that they would also be persecuted and, and probably killed. Because he was persecuted and killed. So I can't imagine being persecuted for a false prophet. Imagine giving up everything you own, including family, because you thought with all your heart that Jesus was a Messiah, but then it turns out he might not be. 
interesting stuff. When we look back into Hosea, he was lamenting over Israel and Judea, where he knew that the people were so far gone that he was pleading for everyone to remember and start to follow God again. Most prophets did that. This seems to be a huge trend in the Old Testament and the scriptures where all these prophets were given instructions to, to warn those who have strayed. Hosea does this, but with hope in the following verses saying that they'll, they'll be revived, but also that the people will have God coming to them as, a, as latter and former rain, meaning although things pass, God is always the same and we can trust him. They all pretty much say the same thing. All the prophets pretty much say the same thing. And then in Jonah, we now know this story. We may know the story that he was told by God to go to Nineveh to preach, but he essentially runs from God by getting on a ship. And then there was a storm and, and sailors were casting lots. And he's like, well, the storm is because of me. This is Jonah speaking. So cast me overboard. And they, they did. And he was in the belly of a fish for three days and nights. And the one sign that Jesus mentioned to those who were asking for a sign was that he would be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. We just read this, right? There were many signs that Jesus is the Messiah, but they ignored every single one. So Jesus being resurrected would be the biggest sign that they would not be able to miss. And we're not sure totally of the significance of like three days and three nights, but knowing that Jesus also waited a few days to resurrect Lazarus from the dead, that might prove that Jesus would actually be dead and not be faking his own death. We also know that it aligns with the verses in Hosea as God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what a relief when Jesus came back. What a relief it must have been for the apostles and disciples. Thinking back to those, those guys that, that started to have doubts. Those guys and gals, I should say. They started to have doubts. They now know that this is the Messiah. This is God in the flesh. There's no more doubting now. But what does this mean for us today? No. We didn't physically walk with Jesus and the apostles and disciples. But we now know that death is no longer a factor. We are the people that are supposed to continue the gospel on. The book of Acts did not end there. I mean, because we sin here on earth, death may be inevitable. There's some people that never saw death. Pretty interest interestingly enough, they were able to just go up in a chariot, right, and go straight to God. And maybe we will too. I don't know. That is what people believe in as a rapture. We might be just taken up into the clouds with our creator. Now, that's not our hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ for eternity. Not just to leave earth, but to have eternal life with our creator. And in the process, in the meantime, while we're here on earth, we should be spread, spreading that gospel. We don't have to worry about death anymore because God promised there wouldn't be if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And God promised that he was going to return in three days and three nights. And he did. And all the other promises he, he gave to us, he's done them. It is finished. God promised he would provide everlasting life. And he delivered that through Jesus Christ. Things of this earth have not been a factor in going out and, and spreading the gospel. But now, even death isn't a factor. The apostles and disciples went out across the world to spread the good news without fear of death. Even if others thought they were incorrect and persecuted them. 
They stayed on the mission. And we should all do the same thing. Now, even the prophets, they were persecuted. They were called crazy. They were killed. They were beat up. And they did not have, well, they had Jesus, but they did not have Jesus in the flesh. God did not come in the flesh at that point. But they still carried on their mission. They still answered God's call. I want you to meditate on these verses that I'm about to say here. I know we're giving you a load of verses today, but I really want you to understand the power of the resurrection. Why the resurrection is so huge. It was so huge and still is today because without the resurrection, Jesus was just another fake Messiah, but he's not. And we know this. He is the Messiah. He was God in the flesh and he is God and we have eternal life in him. So here we go. This is Isaiah 25, 8. It says, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Pretty self-explanatory. I don't really have to go too far deep into that, but death is swallowed up forever. Isaiah gave us that information 700-something years before Christ, before Jesus was born. Galatians 2.20, this is Paul speaking now. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Another self-explanatory verse here. Crucified with Christ, but now I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's amazing. That means Christ lives in us, so how do we die? How can we actually die? His spirit lives in us and his spirit lives forever. So we can't die. Our bodies die, but we can't die forever. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 52. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does a perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. This does not mean we should follow Christ when we think we're going to die or when the trumpets start sounding. This means we have to follow Christ now. As we heard in Galatians 2.20, we should follow Christ and let Christ live in us now. And then we'll be transformed. He's talking about going into a whole new spiritual realm and that we leave this body, we leave this earth. That's that's one thing, right? Don't follow the perishable because we are made to be imperishable. We are made for eternity. Remember that. And the reason we know that is because of Jesus's resurrection. Now, finally, I have some questions for you. These questions are really hard hitting. You ready for these? Number one, how does knowing that death is conquered change your perspective today. Basically, I'm asking, knowing that you can't die, how does that change your perspective today? Maybe you might be going through something. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you're mad. Maybe all the above. How does knowing that death is conquered change your perspective today? Now, be careful, because if I ask a fleshly, worldly person this question, they'll be like, oh, if I can't die, I'm going to rob banks and take advantage of not dying for themselves. But as a Christ follower, my friends, how does knowing that death is conquered change your perspective today? Question two, 
How does the knowledge of God's sacrifice for us give you hope for the world? The world is pretty grim right now. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. But how does God sacrificing himself for us give you hope? And then finally, what are some ways you can celebrate the resurrection today and going forward? Thank you so much for joining in today. We love you so much. We really appreciate you. We ask that you continue to pray for us. We'll pray for you. If you have any prayers, please send them our way and we'll pray for you. We will pray with you. We will reach out. We'll talk to you. But thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you so much for loving Jesus. And thank you so much for loving us. I want to close this out in prayer. If you could take your prayer posture, if it is safe to do so, let's do so and talk to our creator. Our Father in heaven, thank you for keeping your promises. Thank you for giving us hope and life in Jesus Christ. Thank you for everything you've done for us in the spirit and in the flesh and continuously day in, day out. Thank you so much. We want to celebrate your birth every day, but we also want to celebrate the death and the resurrection because without it, we would be lost. Without it, we would have no eternal life. But now we have the hope of eternal life. So thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving everybody on earth. Lord, Father, please continue to keep us from ourselves. Keep us from those selfish motives and please Help us understand the resurrection and how much that means to you, even that we follow you. We ask that you continuously bless us each and every day with that reminder. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.